You are listening to the No Gimmicks Just Sweat podcast with your host, Eric Logan. No Gimmicks Just Sweat is dedicated to hearing the journeys and unique stories behind an athlete's training and what drives them. Get inspired to own your life and make the impossible possible. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, please take a few seconds to rate the show and drop me a review. Now, let's get started with the show. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the No Game Shit Sweat podcast. And today we are welcoming back Kara Olick. And Kara was a guest on episode 17. And she is coming back today to talk about her experience running the New York City Marathon. Kara, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Still fl- uh, flying high from that New York City Marathon. <laughs> As you should be. As you should be. <laughs> So, so let's kind of get into it. So, okay. New York City Marathon. So, what was it like to get ready and qualify for it? Okay, so for me, my journey to New York, the New York City Marathon, really started, I think, um, in 2019 is the first time I ran it. I ran it for Autism Speaks. So, after running it for Autism Speaks in 2019, that's why I ran for it this year, too. I was supposed to run in 2020. But as we know, a lot of races got canceled. So for me, it was um, really signing up with Autism Speaks to run for them because always an awesome opportunity when you're running for more than just you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what really started the journey. And then I was just really going to run. I trained myself for 2019 and I was just going to train myself this time. But after getting my coach in January and seeing she was getting me PR after PR after PR, I decided that even though New York is not known as a fast course by any means, it has five bridges and actual hills, um, that I wanted to go for a PR and a Boston qualifier while running New York this year. Oh, wow. Okay. PR and the Boston qualifier. (laughs) Double duty. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All right, so um, when you decided you were going to do this, how did your training, how did you, did you train it differently or did you have to kind of step up your training a bit? Okay, so it was interesting because I guess in the midst of my training that I had to sit out of running for four weeks because my dermatologist did a little procedure on my leg. So Mm -hmm. I was a little nervous because then my training became 12 weeks and I'm used to like 16, 18 weeks since I am a master's Uh, at 44. I was like, hmm, 12 weeks going to be good enough. I'm not sure about this, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, total faith in my coach. So that 12 week program um, was great. So she really kept me at what she had me for the half marathons and the 10 Ks that I've been running. I have two days of strength training in there, five days of running. Um, with one of those days being a quality session, my speed work, be it tempo or intervals, and then one of them being a long run. And like every other long run was easy. And then the other one would be easy with some tempo miles in there at marathon pace. Um, so we kept that up. I ended up doing two 20 milers. Uh, the last one with 10 miles of marathon pace, that was a killer. Uh, but yeah, so my training intensified for the fact that I actually had a coach that was keeping me on point with the speed work, because even when I wouldn't hit the paces, I would apologize because I'm a very pace oriented person. She's like, no, no, this is fine. (laughs) She did not make the paces any easier. I didn't hit them. 
but that didn't make the paces any easier the next week. So I think it's just that mix of, you know, that hard work, that, that determination that she keeps setting these paces, she's going to throw them at me. I'm going to do whatever I can to hit those paces, um, which I think really benefited me in the marathon because my speed work paces were anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute faster than my marathon phase pace. So she had me hitting in those um, faster times so that when I was running my marathon pace, it didn't feel as hard. Okay. Okay. And just remind everyone who your coach is. My coach, my coach is Lindsay Hine. Okay. Um, Lindsay is uh, not only a coach, but she's also a podcaster as well. Yes, she is. Yes. All right. As as your training is going, did anything change as far as your nutrition um, going up to New York City Marathon? Oh, yes. So, again, working with my dietitian, Anna Turner, we, uh, I guess we met like a week or two before New York City Marathon. And... I don't, I didn't do like a carb load day. So that whole week before the marathon was actually what we call a hard plate, which means half carbs. Oh, every meal was half carbs and then 25% color vegetables and fruits and 25% uh, protein. So I actually was just eating more carbs throughout the week instead of just like one or two meals. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right, so we're we're moving up to getting to New York. Yes, I'm, I'm gonna safely assume that you know, given everything um, going on, um, the trip to New York was uneventful. Pretty much, you know, given um, the extra precautions needed, you mm-hmm. know, for travel, but there wasn't anything major that you had to do differently as far as getting to um, New York City. No, it wasn't. I was a little nervous. I didn't know how um, their ride chairs would work, like buses and everything, because um, they've had a little bit more restrictions than Georgia has had. So I wasn't sure about that. But there really wasn't. I mean, everything still operated. Buses still operated. Taxis still operated. So I actually had no glitch in the travel. Okay. And, and the reason why I kind of asked that question, you know, given everything that was going on and then you got this influx of people coming in from all over the place, you know, were things going to change, you know, or is there going to be a little bit more restrictions or whatnot? No, no. They, uh, New York City did a fabulous job of welcoming, I think there was almost 25,000 runners. Right. Yeah. Yes. All right. So you're in New York. This is the night before, um, the race. Okay. So what was your feelings that night before the race? So I was calmer than I thought I would be. Okay. Uh, so I'm usually like excited, nervous. I was a bit calmer, which made me just a little bit nervous. Like, <laughs> why am I so calm? I'm about to try to boss a qualified PR at the New York City Marathon. Why am I so calm? But I really was. I was, you know, I had a plan. I had talked to my coach. I had talked to my dietitian. I knew the plan. I had went shopping for everything I needed um, for race day uh, because I was going to be on Staten Island for six hours waiting. So um, went shopping and then really just did my to-do list, did my rolling, had my outfit, did the little flat me post on Instagram and, (laughs) you know. Okay. All right. So let's go into race day. Let's kind of go into your race day experience. And let's start with um, 
get into the starting line, but then also let's go up to like the first half of the race. Okay. Okay. Well, so for New York, you actually have to pick a transportation, whether you're going to get over to Staten Island uh, to the start line by bus or ferry. Mm-hmm. Just due to comfort and knowing it, I chose bus and I chose 545. I had to choose my transportation before I found out that I had a noon start time. Mm. Yeah. So being the early bird I am, I was even earlier to the bus and they just let me right on in. So I was <laughs> at Staten Island by six o'clock. With oh, again, wow. So, so uh, 6 a.m., right? <laughs> yep. 6 a.m. for a noon race. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. So, you know, they, they get you off the bus and it really is, you know, you're just kind of going with the flow. It's just like a herd of people. You've got to go through security and they have it color coded. So I, I had to go to, I was orange. So I had to go to the orange athlete village, which is very nice because it's one section. So it kind of sections off the people. So there's enough porta potties. They provide coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. They provide bagels. And so I'm there and I'm going, okay, I'm going to sit here for six hours. Thankfully, <laughs> runners are runners and runners are, you know, talkative. And so another lady came and sat down beside me and I was wave five. She was wave three. So we just really sat and chatted it up for a while and, and uh, they had a they had a large screen TV and so they were showing like glimpses of the pros running. So okay. I was eating because my dietitian had made a plan. I had to bring two peanut butter sandwiches. I brought animal crackers, bananas, noon, water, graham crackers. So I really spent six hours, you know, eating when I felt hungry. So because basically it's lunchtime. I've right. got to make sure I had I had breakfast in the hotel, and then I have to make sure I have what I'm going to need to start this race. So I really just spent my time eating, drinking noon, drinking water, drank some coffee, watching the pros, talking to runners. So six hours went by a lot faster than I thought it would. Um, and actually, they start lining you up in your corral about mm, 30, 45 minutes before your actual start time. Um, so... Once they called for my corral, I moved on over there and then took off, you know, I had like sweatsuit on, I had a blanket around me. I took all that off, was ready just for my running gear and at the start of the corral, because the issue was they used my New York city time from 2019 and I had a poor race. So I'm in wave five. I'm in the last wave of the race and I'm trying to be cute. So I'm trying to Boston qualify from the back, which means, you know, the pacer in my corral was 450. So I'm like an hour faster than others that are predicted, their others predicted time. So I had to get to the front of my corral because I was like, I've got to be at the front. I can't dodge people from the Verrazano Bridge start. Right. So I did. I made it to the front. And then while we were walking, people tried to get in front of me, but I didn't let it happen. It wasn't <laughs> me, though. I wasn't mean. I wasn't pushy. I was not that runner. I just made sure I stayed close. Uh, to the junior ROTC who were guiding us up there. So we get to the start and the, and I'm like, there's no pace car. There's nobody in front. And the pacer saying, follow me. And I'm like, I can't run 450 and qualify for Boston. I, I can't follow <laughs> you. Uh, so, you know, they start the race and I'm off. Like I am the first one in our wave. Like I am solo on this bridge. And I'm like, I hope I go the right direction. I'm guessing you like can't get lost. I'm guessing you can't take a wrong turn in the New York City Marathon because I was flying solo. 
<laughs> they have like three different starts so we don't combine till mile eight i'm like i don't know what i'm doing out here i've never been at the front of anything <laughs> like this so i'm running the bro- the bridge i'm smiling i'm kind of laughing because who does this i'm not a pro I'm looking over. I'm even hollering at the cops. Am I going the right way? What do I do when I go down this bridge? You know? <laughs> and, so, and then I just kept looking back. I looked back a couple of times and I did see some people. And, and one guy actually passed me for a little bit. I was like, okay, so I have to be somewhere. There are people near me. So uh, then the bridge is like a total of two miles. And so I come out of that bridge and then I can start seeing like the tape that New York has put off to keep the spectators on the other side of the street and, so I'm running, and I think that section is Brooklyn, and I'm running. I start to catch wave four, and I oh. actually enjoyed catching wave four because at least it's people, <laughs> people on the road with me. I mean, in what other time period or what other place would just an everyday runner, like, be by themselves running kind of solo at the New York City Marathon? It was definitely a little surreal, but uh, I started catching people, and so I was, like, feeling good. The crowds were out. It was a little sparse here and there, but. I was pretty impressed because it was a noon start. How many of the uh, spectators were still out there cheering everybody on? Um, so definitely love that. So I just kept running, kept fueling. I had my uh, fueling instructions, took my Martin is what I take for my carbs. And I was just doing everything. So it really, I mean, I actually hit those first half faster than projected. Um, I was feeling good and running good. So I just kept running strong um, about I guess it was about mile 12. I started like feel my stomach. I'm like, Oh, don't know what happened, but I'm just going to run through it. And what happens happens. So the first half of the race, I actually ran it faster than projected. Oh, okay. Well, I want to kind of go back, you know, uh, a little bit, you know, so you waited six hours <laughs> and I, I, I mean, maybe it's me. I'm one of those people that even if we have like a 15 minute wait for a start, you know, my mind just kind of, you know, okay, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. And, you know, it sounds like you maintained that drive for six hours. This guy's like, yes, you know, I'm here, I'm ready to go, I'm just going to chill for six hours. Yeah, I I mean, one, I think one person said they were going to try to go in an earlier wave. Mm-hmm. And just from my experience in the last New York, they were pretty good at looking at your bibs and turning people away who weren't in the uh, right corral. So I was like, no, I'm just going to wait it out. And I had my plan. I knew when I had to eat, so I knew my hours. Um, The other lady that was talking to me was a great distraction. I mean, watching Molly Seidel and what she was doing in the New York City Marathon was, you know, that really passed a lot of time because she, I mean, (laughs) she finished before I even got to the start line. So (laughs) that was really good. And then I was, when I, when I did start to feel a little nervous, I was just texting my coach, you know, and so she was keeping me calm and she was saying she was there with me in spirit. And then my dietician texted me to let me know she was there. So really knowing, I called them my dream team. So really knowing that my dream team was like with me in spirit, that helped keep me calm because not only was I running for a BQ, a Boston qualifier and a PR, but I was also, you know, running for autism speaks. And then I also had this team that had worked hard to get me to this moment. So I had many people to think about and consider when I was running. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, can I sit and wait six hours before <laughs> I should? I, I, I would probably be pacing like a caged animal, just back and forth. 
Well, the good thing about meeting people while you're there is so yes. that they watch your stuff and you get to go off to the porta potties and come back. So we were like taking turns getting up and walking. We'd be get coffee, bagels. So we were like taking turns walk while the other person watched the stuff and standing right. and stretching. Um, at, like I said, I was surprised how quickly it went. Right. Um, well, very surprised. Well, again, once you meet people and you kind of, you know, you start kind of interacting, talking, you know, and and just kind of socializing, yeah, time will fly by. Yeah. All right, so let's go into the second half of the race. So you, you've kind of got the first half. You know, I think you were saying you were starting to kind of feel it a little bit. Yeah. So, so let's yeah. kind of start from that point and go to the end. Okay. So, yeah, my, my stomach was feeling it a little bit at, mile 12 I've guessed and I was like I'm just gonna run through and then you know then I see this bridge in front of me and I was like oh this seems like a a, you know a good side bridge and so here I am asking the New York City Marathon workers is this the Queensboro Bridge and one said yes and then quickly said no this is Pulaski Bridge my heart dropped a little bit because I was not counting on another bridge being a little steeper than considered but I was like okay I'm gonna run up this bridge um so I went up that bridge, surprisingly faster than I thought. Then I'm coming through Queensboro, I think is like 14, mile 14 or 15. And it's the other bridge besides the first bridge. Verrazano is pretty steep. Um, Queensboro is the other harder bridge. Um, and I was just, I was determined. I was going to run the whole thing. I remember struggling on it in 2019. I was, And it was like a breaking point for me in 2019. I was like, nope, I'm going to run it. I'm just going to keep going. I could actually hear my podcast because for most of the race, the crowds are so loud. I had no idea what I was listening to. (laughs) Could not hear anything through my aftershocks. Nothing. I could hear the crowd not complaining. Um, So at the bridge, I was like, okay, okay, this is pretty good. It was motivational. It was inspirational. I was, I was, I was going, got up the bridge. Good. Came down. I don't know what possessed me. I've never done this in a marathon before. There's tons of people. But they weren't cheering loud enough, I apparently I didn't think. So I'm waving my arms, getting the crowd to cheer. And I'm like, what am I doing? I don't this is wasting energy. But I was getting the crowds. And then other people, they were like getting the crowds to do it too. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And uh so yeah, it just flowed. And I was pretty impressed with how it go how it was going. And you know, usually mile 18 is a wall for me, but it wasn't. And then what happened was <laughs> It's not that my stomach as much felt upset, but it was almost like my esophagus throat area, something wasn't feeling right. Oh, wow. So right before I got to mile 20 marker, I could see it in the distance. I just had to pull over and I I thought I was going to get sick, but I just ended up dry heaving. Um, And then there was a cop there. And then one of the spectators was so kind because I had Nuna in my bottle, but I didn't think that was going to actually calm it. He gave me a water. And let me take it and run with it. So I dry heaved. I was like, okay. And my stomach, I mean, nothing was bothering me anymore. So I was like, okay, I'm going on. Onward. And so I went onward. I was like, oh, it's when I'm running that this nasty feeling is coming back. Right. So I still ran. I got rid of the water because it was cold in my hand. Um, But the weather was absolutely perfect that day. So I put the water down and I'm just keep running. I'm like, nope, this still doesn't feel good. So I'm running, I'm running. I couldn't figure out if I was going to be sick out of, no offense, sorry if too much information, either end. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I did pull over to the porta potty, use the restroom, and I'm just like, keep on going. 
I'm like, I still don't know what's going on. I'm taking my Martin, but it took me like probably 10 to 15 minutes to take my last Martin. Cause I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Um, it wasn't going down as smoothly, but I knew I needed it. I still had miles to cover. So I knew I knew I needed it. So I took it. Um, and then again, I think it was, was it 22 or so pulled over again, uh, dry heaved a little bit more this time with a medic. Um, they were asking if I was okay. I was like, I said, I think so. This is my second time doing this. I don't really know what's going on. And they were like, okay, just take deep breaths, stand up straight, take deep breaths. And I was standing up straight. I was taking deep breaths and I was like, okay, I think it's passed. I went on. It really didn't pass. I was just like, I'm just going to chug through because apparently nothing's coming out. So if nothing's going to come out, I'm just going to chug on. And so I did, I did stop at the water stations because the moon wasn't going down smoothly at all. I was like, well, let me pour water on my head because I didn't know what was causing me to, you know, feel like I needed a dry heaver that I was going to be sick. So I poured water on my head, put it on my arms, and I just kept on trucking. And I kept on trucking. I knew that I knew the bathroom stop and the the two stops to drive heat. They cut into my time um, as far as just having a buffer, like a big buffer for that Boston qualifying time. And I was like, I'm just going to keep on trucking and trucking. And so I kept trucking. I'm getting closer to the city. I'm like, oh, there's that coveted 800 meter sign i was like i cannot walk it i cannot stop anymore no water no nothing just keep going and i was going and of course the crowds are loud like extremely loud so you turn that corner and they're just loud and you can't see the finish right away so you i'm just i'm just trucking every second counts that's all i kept telling myself every second count every second counts and i get there and i finished and you could just see it on my face at the finish line it was like stunned because I did it. I Boston qualified. I had an extra, I think it's hour 40. Oh, sorry. Minute and 44 seconds that I had. And I like almost tears. Like I was just holding back the tears as I'm accepting my medal, as I'm getting uh, the little fleece jacket. They came on. They're just saying, congratulations. I'm choked up as I'm asking the volunteers to take pictures. I did it. I Boston qualified and PR'd by like 20 minutes. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And you crossed the finish line. You you had that moment. So did you know immediately that you had Boston qualified or did you have to? Oh, no, I knew. I knew immediately. <laughs> My coach and I, we were hoping for a faster time. So right. we were hoping to be just around 340. And that's just because just to give me enough time. So I would definitely probably make it in. So I ended up with 348, 16. But the interesting with my hat with me was that I wasn't disappointed at all. Like, like I'm still not, I am so excited. I Boston qualified. I PR by 20 minutes in New York, in New York. That's not a, it's not an easy course. You're running over bridges. You're running hills. It's not uh, known as a faster course. So I'm excited for the accomplishment. Um, So yeah, I knew as soon as I crossed and I saw my watch that I did it. Nice, nice. All right, so given this experience this year, um, and if you could go back in a time machine, what would you go back and tell yourself, you know, that you know now from this experience that you didn't know beforehand? If you can go back and correct something. Wow, that's a hard one because I think I corrected a lot from my previous marathons by getting a coach and a dietitian. Because before this marathon, in my previous 10, 11 marathons, I maybe drank 
four to five ounces of fluids. And this time I took on maybe 30 fluids plus carbs. So I did a lot of correcting to this one. I think what I would uh, probably go back, because after talking to my dietitian, asking why I dry heave and figuring out I really probably wasn't dehydrated because of everything that I took in. And she said, it's just the intensity of what you're running. Then I was like, okay, I would probably during those, um, those intervals and the tempo runs, I would probably tell myself become more comfortable with the uncomfortable. Cause I, I think that if I hit those paces and push myself for some of that discomfort in the training runs, then I could have pushed myself more through what I was dealing with at the end of the marathon. Okay. Okay. All right. So, and what would you recommend to someone or, you know, what type of advice would you give to someone who kind of desires to um, run the New York City Marathon? Okay. Um, Well, it depends on what their desire for. If they really want to run first since New York City Marathon is a lottery, they'd either have to luck it out and get out in the lottery or they would have to um, go for charity. But besides that, if they're in and they really want to run it, I would say, one, if you want to just run it for fun, enjoy it. It is a magnificent race. The city really comes out for you. Enjoy every moment. Whether you're trying to Boston qualify, PR, or just enjoy a marathon, it's an electrifying atmosphere. Enjoy every moment. If you are out there and you're thinking, I want to go out there and I want to PR, one, of course, my suggestion would be, hey, if you think you need it, get a coach because they're great. They give you that moral support. Uh, my coach believing in me really got me through my training sessions and my training cycle. So um, get a coach. If not, set up that training plan. Be prepared and then really just dedicate yourself to the time of it because training for a marathon takes time. And there are times and you hate to say you're making a sacrifice, but there are times that you might say no to doing something in order to make sure that you're ready for that 20 miler the next day. Um, so I would say be committed, be dedicated and set your goal, whether it just be to finish, have fun, but set that goal. So you know what you're working for. Okay. Good advice. It's good advice. I mean, even if you're just not, even if New York city is not on your list of things to do, if you're just in general looking to run your first marathon, that is still great advice. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. All right, so what is next for you? Any any other world majors on your list? Well, what is next depends. Okay, so um, I already have like a half marathon because, you know, now I think I can conquer the world, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) So I already have my my half marathon PR is on like a 2,000 elevation, 2,000 feet elevation drop, so... I want to get a, I want to even, I want my PR to actually be on flat land. So I've got that set up for February. Okay. As far as marathon, it depends. If I get into Boston, because I've already applied for it, of course. Right. <laughs> if I get into Boston, I'll run Boston in April. If I don't, I will actually run the Snickers Marathon in Albany, Georgia. Okay. And yeah, because I figure, hey, that one is actually pretty flat. I mean, it's got some hills but i'm gonna call them bumps comparatively um and so it would be a great uh, boston qualifier so i would run that in order to cut my time off okay okay cool all right is there anything else before before i let you go that you want to kind of share 
Yeah. So I would say this for anyone that is training for a marathon, or even if you're sitting there thinking, you're thinking you're motivated, you're inspired. We've had the Olympics with track and field. Then we had this like seven weeks of intense, like world major marathons. We've had so much going on. Um, Anyone feel inspired, whether it be 5k, 10k, half marathon, marathon, I say, go out there, set a goal, get it done, but have fun with it. I think what really helped me in my training for New York is that I was having fun and enjoying it again. I hadn't enjoyed long runs in years. Like they were absolute dread, but running was fun again. And it definitely changed my attitude, which definitely changed my runs. So I say, hey, if you're feeling inspired, set that goal, sign up for that race and do it. You never know what's going to happen. Yes, that is awesome advice. So, Kara, again, thank you for coming on here and uh, sharing your experiences uh, with New York City. And anyone, if you want to find out more about Kara, if you go back and listen to episode 17, uh, you can learn her whole story there. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Great talking to you again. Great talking to you. Have a good one. All right, you too. All right, bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the No Gimmicks, Just Sweat podcast. We really appreciate everyone who tunes in each week. If you enjoyed today's show, please support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to tell your friends about the No Gimmicks, Just Sweat podcast so we can continue to have awesome conversations with everyday athletes just like you. Until next time, have an amazing week.